record again. All right. Oh, that line wasn't recorded. Damn. That was a good one. <laughs> no, it was not. Damn. Zoom's got it, though, right? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, Zoom's Zoom got it, though. Yeah, there we go. All right. Welcome back to the Pop 5 podcast. It has been a long time coming since we have been here, and it is certainly certainly a time to bring it back. My name is Mark Zick, also known as Groovy Dude. And with me is my little brother of a cousin, Dan Healy Rose, also known as Fear the Game and Dead. You can see our little gamer tags there. Uh, we are here to discuss all things pop culture with some sports and politics sprinkled in. We hope that you will enjoy yourself and come back for more each week. Now, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to Dan at this time. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello there. I am Dan, and to those of you who sail the Sea of Thieves, fear the gaming dead. I was raised on Rugrats, Power Rangers, and Super Nintendo. Y'all, I think Dark Souls is hard. Clearly, you have never played Super Nintendo's Empire Strikes Back, Zombie Ate My Neighbors, or Lion King. I grew up in the before four burn. times of no cell phones, no social media, streetlight curfews, and dial-up. Y'all merely adopted the lag. I was born into it. These days, I'm fueled by great shows like Invincible, 90 Day Fiance, amazing games like D&D, Battlefront, Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm here to give you my perspective and hopefully introduce you to a few new things. Well, thank you very much for that introduction. Only a few odd looks from me there, but that's completely understandable with some of that mix. Uh, uh, this being recorded with face, you're going to get some odd looks throughout. We'll, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of odd looks throughout this oh, whole yeah. week. <laughs> Get used to it. Now, I've always felt that the aspects of pop culture have raised me more than my actual family. Uh, I grew up on video games, Sonic and Mortal Kombat. More specifically, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. I actually won that at a craft fair in middle school. Can you believe that? Uh, also watching movies like Wayne's World and Mask of Zorro and watching movies like The Simpsons, that 70s show. And I've considered myself an actor as well. I've been in a number of plays and musicals. Uh, I've always wanted to find a way to reach people and entertain them. And I'm hoping that this is this is that way of doing just that. So here we go. Welcome back to Pop 5 Podcast. It'll be the two of us each week and with an occasional guest thrown in. Uh, I already have one friend that definitely wants to get in on this. So if we do a uh, Top 5 Pokemon episode, which I think we can definitely do. Uh, is, to, is the name start get... with Paul, I'm assuming? No, but no. actually, he, yeah, we might get him on, on that one too. Yeah, we should. We could probably show him ink blots of Pokemon shapes, and he could get every single one. Oh yeah, make definitely. a game out of it. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that Pokemon? <laughs> All right. So, without uh, without delaying too much longer, let's go ahead and get into our sports update for the week. Now, we are both uh, both Massachusetts and New Hampshire natives, so we're going to be gearing more towards the New England teams with, with an occasional Dallas Cowboys update thrown in. I, I, say that, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anyone who knows me knows that they are they're America's team. They, they always have been. They always will be. And uh, 
So yeah. Anyway, I'd much the, rather be represented by the evil empire of the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how how evil is it now baby. with uh with I mean who is who is the master and who is the teacher? Was it Brady or Belichick? It was I mean it seems seems to be point Brady right now. Well, Brady has 20 years experience. Cam Newton coming off a shoulder injury, getting COVID, and having no preseason work. I think Belichick did a good job. Plus, with eight players opting out. Well, that's, Come on. He didn't make the playoffs for one. No, and, and two, you can't say the 20 years experience with Brady and not apply the, the no experience when he first became the quarterback uh, to the team with Belichick at that same at that same time, it's completely different arguments. Yeah, but see, that's that's where you get into the difference. Is Belichick coached Brady that season, whereas this past season, Bruce Arians was pretty much like Brady. You coach yourself. <laughs> Makes it a little easier to adopt the offense. Which, all right, so that just proves even more that it's Brady over Belichick. Oh hell no. Oh whatever. Anyway, I'm always going to be a, the player's side. Let's start with America's pastime, the grand old game of baseball, and your American League East leading Boston Red Sox with a record of 17 and 12, fresh off a road trip where they they did all right. They they went 3 and 3, uh, which is fair, not as good as they had been doing, but but still a nice road trip. It's good to see uh, just Dinger's Martinez, J.D. Martinez, just crushing the ball all over the place. And I especially like that because I have him on my fantasy team. And it's, you know, it is tough having having him and Shohei Otani on the same team because I cannot play Otani at all. He's just sitting there on my bench because JD Martinez is so damn good. You don't put him in your rotation. Well, he's he had <laughs> he hadn't been starting for a couple weeks, so uh, so now that he's starting again, he is he's actually starting tonight. For anyone you know, that's not familiar, uh, Shohei Otani is like he's he's the new Babe Ruth. Honestly, the the stats he is putting up, he is the first pitcher since since Babe Ruth to start a game while leading the the league in home runs. That is unheard of. It's, it's unreal. We're, he is historic. This is this guy, he needs more attention. We everybody needs to know his name. Problem is man, baseball needs a bit of a revamp. But uh no, it's it's nice. And I love that the new baseball game allows you to be a two-way player. <laughs> That, yeah, that was cool. It, it gave me that option. I started as a third baseman and, and a pitcher, and I decided, you know what? I don't want to pitch. I just want to be a third baseman. It let me have that option, so I'm just a third baseman now. I always go starting pitcher, so I only have to play at most 35 games a year compared to having to play all 162. Oh, that's a good <laughs> idea. I didn't think of it like that. Right? Make yourself a closer, and then you're only in like 40 games? See, the only downside with that, though, is – you spend more time loading into the game than you actually do pitching in it, especially if you end up throwing three balls and you get three pop-ups. It's like, fuck. Right, yeah, that's true. 
But no, my, my first start, like I, I was hitting my spots. I, I used the pulse indicator because I, I like that. And I kept hitting good like almost every time. And they were just hitting singles all over the place. And it was driving me crazy. The first guy to reach base, it was because of an error by me. Because I, I ran in <laughs> on the ball and I, I thought I hit the button to throw, but apparently I hit the button to cancel. So... So he just held on to the ball and was like, oh, he won. And I'm like, how was that in there? I tried throwing the ball. That wasn't my fault. I actually had the same thing happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then they scored two runs after that. And I'm like, come on, man. All right, man. Let's head on to the next one. Yeah, on to the next one. On On to the Bruins, the Boston Bruins. They are... Uh, they are currently in fourth place in their division with 66 points, but they're just one point behind third place, like three points behind second and only five points out of, out of first. So it, it's really tight there. They've got two games on hand uh, of the, of the league leader. So they've got a chance to really to get four points there really and get right close to them. Good to see they're playing well again. Yeah, definitely. And and then we've got a bit of bit of a disappointing update on the Celtics, uh, just because they they're thirty four and thirty one, and with the talent they have, they really should be so much better. But they should be uh, Tatum, Brown, Kemba Walker, and I don't know why they're not playing Taco Fall more. Taco Fall is a beast. He's seven. Foot what three six seven foot three something he's ridiculous. I think he's seven foot five. I mean, it, the f- not the fans want him, man. Exactly. I mean, dude, so it's just what if fun he's to so watch. Lanky, it, it only takes him like ten ten steps to get across the the court, and it's uh, not, not to mention anyway, at the very least he'll be the next Brian Scalabrini, the fan favorite that goes in and friggin' finishes off. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but they did recently come back from 32 points down in a on a road. No, but no, it was a home game. It was a home game. Uh, and also, Jason Tatum became just the second player in uh, Celtics history to score 60 points, joining Larry Legend, Larry Bird. Nice. Considering who's played for that team, that he's the only one to do that with him. That that's that's crazy. Because the Celtics dominated originally before the three-point line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much the, the sports update for the week. We got uh, – Oh, you skip uh, over on the Patriots draft in the next franchise quarterback. Well, we already talked about Patriots. It's your – oh, we talked football You gave a bit. Brady all the credit. Go, <laughs> all right, go ahead. You want to talk the draft? Go ahead. Talk the draft. Oh, no, that's really all I had. I only watched up to that draft pick, man. I – Really Mac hoping they trade up. Yeah. yeah, I was really hoping they trade up for Fields, but I'll, I'll take a quarterback. I don't care. Yeah, I, I I hear good things about him. Trevor Lawrence looks looks good. I'm excited to see what he does down in Jacksonville. But uh, so yeah. All right. Uh, on to on, the next, sir. Yes, on to the uh, the news of the week. We'll go ahead and uh, go ahead and start that off. What do what do we have this week going on? Oh, I mean, this is, we got a few things going on. I uh, kept most of my news towards the entertainment side. You got uh, AEW starting to challenge the WWE for well, top spot in wrestling. Oh, Finally. No, 
Yeah, oh yeah, dude. No, they're put they're over a million viewers per week at this point, dude. And I'm telling you right now. Dude, I think WWE in its history has had two five star matches. There's freaking guys in this company that have four or five. Kenny Omega, best wrestler there is today. Tony, if you're going to watch wrestling, watch that program. What are those two five-star matches? Uh, Kenny Omega has a... Oh, for WWE? Yeah. Oh, God, I do not those know them off the top accessible. of my head. <laughs> Hold on. I can check that out right here. Let's see, because let, let me give you one of mine. I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. I want to say 30. It might have, no, it might have been earlier than that. It was probably earlier than that, but it was their match at WrestleMania. It's, it's definitely top three all time matches. Oh my God. Uh, Okay. So WCW seems to have, more five-star matches. Yeah, WCW. So we got uh, SummerSlam, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Okay. And I what year is that? Is that going to be like 96? I think it was 99. And then you got... No, Bre- he was dead by then. He died oh. in 97, didn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. This is going the opposite way. Ah, uh, 94. 94, okay. And then in... Hart Brothers, of course, they're going to put on. 97, you had Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Okay, Michaels and Taker. Wow, Taker with a five-star match. That's impressive. He's not really known for his for his skills, more his, uh, more his just pummeling and, uh, and presence. You can make a good match with that. It looks like they also have at least another one, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold. That okay. WrestleMania 13. Yep, yep. But yeah, dude, Kenny Omega literally has, I think, at least three five-star matches with just one single person. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. While you're looking that up, let me quickly mention something that we're both very excited about as fans of the original series. Dexter coming back. Uh, it looks like they, they finally released the, the teaser of him uh, coming back through the showing him in the window out somewhere snowy obviously not where he was lumberjacking which was just completely all bullshit I hope they don't even mention it uh, <laughs> he's all shaved looks good and you can see in the reflection of the window somebody tied up to the in plastic to the uh, to the table like his old self and he just smiles and it's good to be back anywho you yes so i have found it uh actually i found totals here uh the wwe has number of 13 five-star matches i was off on that one okay but uh kenny omega the wrestler currently leading aew has 17 himself and at least three of those, including the highest-rated match of all time, New Japan, Omega, versus Okada. Hmm. I'm telling you, man, Okada, amazing wrestler. Dude, oh, New it. Japan, too. Oh. I fell out of wrestling for a long time. Happy that's back. Uh, yeah, I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to try to get back into it, too. All right. 
So let's see. What else do we got today? What else do we got today? Marvel announces the titles of the next phase. Uh, four movies for 2021. You got Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and No Way Home. They also got after that Multiverse of Madness, Love oh. and Thunder, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quick over-under for the amount of time that Chris Hemsworth is in Thor, God of Thunder. Uh, we're going to go with 12 minutes. 12 minutes. I was wondering how long he's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Well, that's pretty much as Guardians of the Galaxy at this point. So I think he's more with them than he is um, than he is like with Asgard, obviously, because, I mean, we know what happened. And to continue it on after that, we got the Marvels, which is Mar- Captain Marvel 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 3, the long-awaited film. Right, and how long have we been waiting for uh, for Black Widow? I feel like it, I feel like it's the the release date has been pushed like two or three times already. Almost as many as New Mutants. Yeah, no, I was working at the theater when that was supposed to come out. And that was originally supposed to be May of two thousand twenty. Jeez. Oh yeah, all that long time ago and in right. odd odd place. Uh, We're still there, but it was just a long time ago during it now. All right. So why don't we go ahead and get into our topic of the day. Now that it seems like the appropriate time. Uh, now our topic of this week, top five movie reboots or remakes as decided by us. These are purely our opinion and our way of just starting a dialogue. Uh, we're going to let you know what we think. We want you to let you, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, with no further ado, I'll start this off with my number five. This may come as a surprise to a lot of people. It is definitely not critically acclaimed. It was... It's actually kind of roasted as one of the the worst reboots, but I love it. It hit me at the right time. It came out when I was probably 10, I think it was. This is <laughs> Lost in Space. An amazing movie. It came out, I, I think it was 98. It was ni- is, yes, 98. 98 97. It was when Matt LeBlanc was at his height with friends, exactly. man. The, oh. the cast in this is ridiculous. You've got, you got Matt LeBlanc. You've got William Hurt. Heather Graham, Mimi Rogers, and let's not forget the star, the Dr. Smith, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, this is probably my my second movie I remember seeing Gary Oldman in. I think I saw uh, uh, The Fifth Element before this. Uh, and he is he inspired one of my catchphrases for a while because he he would say never fear smith is here so of course i would say never fear zick is here (laughs) so obviously panned did not get great reviews people did not like the way it treated its source material but one of the writers was was from the original series which which i did not which i didn't realize so i was looking into it uh, directed by Stephen Hopkins. It had a budget 
of an estimated 80 million. Uh, it's opening weekend. It made just over 20 million, which made about a quarter of it back, which isn't that great. Uh, and then its gross in the U.S. was only 69 million, but people around the world seem to like it because they it it wound up making 136 million, so it made its money back. I believe there was talks of a sequel at one point, be, just because of how much money it wound up making. But I think the critics just were like, "No, don't do it," which is so sad. You, there's also another actor in there who gets a very small part, but he's epic in it, and that's Jared Harris. Yes, playing yes, I was going to mention him. Yep, yep, playing the older Will Robinson. Yep. Oh, he looks so young in that role, but oh, he's I know. so good. And he- he became somebody that I like started seeing everywhere. It's like, oh, look who it is! Look who it is! But I think like him as Moriarty is probably his best role. Yeah, oh yeah. All right, what's your number number five? My number five is the Woman in Black, mm. the 2012 remake of the 1989 movie by the. It also is based off the book of the same name. Um. I mean, this thing's got Daniel Radcliffe in it. I mean, he's the main star. It's got Molly Harmon. Heard of it? Haven't seen people. it. People. I gotta say, I mean, it's extremely creepy, very suspenseful, and it's just one of those that sticks with you. It's surprising for a PG thirteen horror movie, which that's are usually right. pretty much yeah. See, those are usually teen traps. Mm-hmm. No idea how many customers have come out for an adult and it's just like all oh, those kids are talking in there. And it's like, yeah, it's opening night of a PG thirteen horror movie. They can't right. get another rated R one. But this movie was wicked good for a PG thirteen horror. It's it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, okay. basically, Daniel Radcliffe heads to an estate. If I remember correctly, he heads to an estate that. Uh, let me see here. Um, but basically, he goes to this house. It's set, um, God, 20th century England. Uh, follows a young widower who's uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Travels to a remote village where he discovers a vengeful ghost, a scorned woman who's terrorizing locals. It, oh, it's good. It's good. Worth huh. the watch. All right, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to give that a watch. So uh, I'll go ahead and hit you with, uh, actually, no, why don't you go ahead and give number four? We'll kind of do a serpentine. My serpentine, like a draft. May the fourth be with you. It's tomorrow. (laughs) Star Wars Day. Tomorrow, Not to date this, but yeah, tomorrow is Star Wars Day. And the Bad Also known as uh, uh, Cinco de Cuatro. And the Bad Batch. Development fans. Tomorrow's a good day. All right. So my number four, I Am Legend. Okay. Stars Will Smith. And basically Will Smith. Right. Does have Will Smith in it. Oh, yeah. No, you cannot forget about the dog because it. we'll get to that. Made in 2007. It's actually a remake of two separate movies. Last Man on Earth, 1965, and The Omega Man, 1971. I have not seen either of those, but I have seen I Am Legend. Epic movie. Post-apocalyptic, Will Smith going around, pretty much the only known survivor of this virus. Everything else is basically like a vampire monster thing that wants to rip you apart. Amazing movie. Emotional. One of Will Smith's best roles. And the movie that ultimately taught me, it is much sadder to see a dog die on screen than thousands of people. Yep. 100%. (laughs) The dogs don't deserve it. (laughs) 
people do. Yeah, it's much easier to justify. (laughs) People are bad. It's like, maybe there was bad people there. No one's going to say, maybe it was a bad dog. No, no no one's going to say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, so I'll go ahead and... uh, bring up my number four now my number four is from the 1980s classic starring rick moranis this is little shop of horrors the musical of course i had to have a musical on here I yes wasn't, you did i wasn't I was exactly not sure musicals <laughs> I, well i i it, hey it could have been i i almost went a star is born uh the, the most recent one lady gaga bradley cooper i I love that movie. It gets me every single time. I've watched it probably like six or seven times, and every time it gets me. I gotta change my list. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot a musical remake. I'm yeah, throwing it in at number you three. Don't, you don't need to have one on there, but I mean, oh no! Well, I I've completely <laughs> forgot it was a remake, and it's probably my favorite movie oh, of all it's time. It's been made like three different times. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that's that's gonna be my new number three. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, this is Little Shop of Horrors. This is uh, Rick Moranis stars as uh, Seymour Crowboyne, which is just a a great great role for him. The song "Suddenly Seymour" that he sings with Audrey is one of my most favorite musical theater songs of all time. Uh, so basically what happens is this, this nobody kid Seymour works at this uh, flower shop for uh, Mr. Uh, Mud, Mudnick. Yeah. Mudnick. Uh, and nice and, people, bad people in musicals never have good names. No. And it's, it also has uh, uh, Bill Murray as the, uh, the, just this, this guy who just wants to be tortured by Steve Martin, who plays the dentist, who is this just masochistic bastard that that beats his girlfriend. Uh, his girlfriend is Audrey, who who Seymour is in love with, who also works at the flower shop, and all he wants to do is take her away from the from the bad guy and give her a great life and. And that, I mean, he's a good guy. He's he's working all his life. He he he's he's never made it. He's been sorry. I'm getting all over the place. He's the dude that do you want to he's see? He's an orphan. Win. He's an orphan. He's raised on the streets. He finally gets a job at this flower shop. He's treated like dirt, and there's this total eclipse of the sun, and he winds up finding this Venus flytrap, and it's like oh. This thing's kind of neat. And he puts it in the window at the shop and it brings up business. Like all of a sudden business is booming all because people want to come see that flower and winds up being, he winds up having to feed it blood to make it grow and gets too big, has to kill people. So of course, anyway, it's a great movie. I recommend it. Great music. Hilarious. Uh, The... Uh, estimated budget on this one was $25 million. It made only $3 million its opening weekend, just under $4. Uh, and its total gross, though, in the U.S., it wound up making making a lot of money. It made $38 million. So it definitely made its money back. Not a ton, but it's a cult classic, directed by Frank Oz. And, uh, yeah. And I'll go ahead and hit you with my number three. My number three... This one 
everybody knows this movie. Set in Boston. This is Massachusetts accents gone wild. Uh, Mark Wahlberg and and Matt Damon. Leo DiCaprio, Martin Sheen. If you haven't guessed yet, this is The Departed. Jack Nicholson, too. You can't forget about the Jack Nicholson, man. Oh, Jack. (laughs) Jack in this movie. And, uh, oh, what's his name? Eddie... Cousin Eddie from the from that uh, from Grounded oh, yeah, for Life. That's right. He was good in that I one. Yeah, I love that guy. He's been that's, in a lot of things. That's my favorite movie to just sit down with a nice Sam Adams and just oh all night, all night. I'll watch that movie. I mean, this this is a movie about cops and people who think they want to be cops. Uh, and let's not forget Anthony Anderson. He he makes he's in this oh. movie as well. Yeah. Before he, before he's started losing weight, like he looks great now. I don't know if you watch Blackish. Anthony Anderson looks amazing. No, he's doing good, man. Oh, actually, you seen Mark Henry lately, the former wrestler? Oh yeah, dude dropped eighty pounds, man. Right? <laughs> oh, and it's good to see these people doing good right now. Oh yeah. Uh, but this was Martin Scorsese. Uh, this was surprisingly the first time that he won Best Director. Can you believe that? Or that was is, it was it best yeah. Was it best no, director this or one best, best picture. Yes it did. Yeah, this one best picture and it was his first one that actually won best picture. You, you want to hear something funny about this man? Beth who once told me Jurassic Park is PG-13 and I was about 12. Yeah. I don't think you're old enough to watch this. Took me to see the Rated R Departed at uh, 15. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it starts right off like it, because Jack Nicholson right in the beginning, he plays obviously the the Whitey Bulger type character, uh, and Matt Damon plays his protege, his his rat that winds up going to work for the for the Mass State Police, and Leo DiCaprio plays the cop that goes and infiltrates uh, Nicholson's gang, Costello's gang. And just the the story is it's one that's been told so many times of of trying to find the rat, trying to find the mole, trying to find the, the guy hiding on either side and not showing your true identity to anyone, not really being able to, to lead a real life. It's been told so many times, but the way these actors are able to, to get the, the emotions out of it. There is one person that steals the show in this movie. All of them are terrific. Vera? Mark Wahlberg. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> He's got such a short part, too. But, oh, my God. Is the angry cop. He, dude, Captain F-bomb, and he nails it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the first... Uh, oh, what is it? Martin Sheen asks asks uh, Leo DiCaprio, do you know what we do here? He goes, sir, I have some idea. And Wahlberg just goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You have no idea, all right? Let's say you have no idea and leave it at that. If you knew had any idea what we do, we would be cunts. You call us cunts? <laughs> and from there. <laughs> right, his tone is set. Yeah. Dude, uh, plus, ultimately, hero in the end of that film, too. Oh, and, and uh, Alec Baldwin, his oh performance. I, I love him in it. He's Who so, isn't in that movie? <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. Everybody's in there. We got Baldwin and Vera Farmia. We got to mention her. She is incredible in this. She plays the uh, the psychiatrist that that oh, yeah. Leo goes to see. She's uh, terrific in almost every role. Oh my god! Oh, that's yeah. the actress I've been trying to think of for like a month. <laughs> well, I gotta say that to the wife later. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this had a uh, had a budget of ninety million. It made uh, twenty six, just under twenty seven. Its opening, its opening weekend had a U.S. gross of one hundred and thirty two million, but it made worldwide two hundred and ninety one million. That's almost two hundred million it made over its estimated budget. So this is, I believe, easily Scorsese's most profitable film. It doesn't say much these days with the likes of billion-dollar movies, but well, extremely successful for right. a film. Oh yeah. So yeah, your uh, your number three. Originally, it was going to be Scarface. I'm the glad it's not. Ah, oh, dude, it's so good. It's so good, especially I mean, for a remake, it's we'll absolutely debate amazing. That another time. But so I have switched it up to a musical that, as you have stated, has been remade several times. Limits. There you go. Saw this on opening night with you. Christmas night. Oh, so good. We were with your parents who fell asleep in the theater. Um, it was a good time. I mean, goddamn. I always I, remember when people fall asleep. Oh, yeah, you fall asleep during Revenge of the Shut Sith. Up. Keep going. You and your brother. Oh, my God. I will never forget that moment. You will never live that down. <laughs> so Five minutes. Shut up. I mean, I, I everything about that night. <laughs> actually seen the movie a hundred times now (laughs) going so i mean i've always liked musicals you've introduced me to them several times and they're good this was i mean maybe because it's got the tale of revenge in it too in a way i like rebellion i like revolution it's needed sometimes and this was perfect for it. I love the French Revolution. The only thing I'm missing in here was friggin' Robespierre trying to kill himself with a gun and really just shooting himself through the mouth. And It's a funny time. You should read up on the history of that. But anyway, it stars Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Anne Hathaway, Amanda Seyfried, Sasha Baron Cohen, Helena Bonham Carter, Eddie Redmayne, and a bunch of others. Those are just the top ones, which are the top seven. It's obviously the story of Jean Valjean. Man who stole some bread, spent like 30 years in prison. Oh, no, 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 no. No? He was sentenced to five years in prison, and in his last year, he tried to escape. So they added on another 15 to make it 20. So that's on him. It's all on him. If he had just done his time, he was in the last year of his time, he would have been fine. But no, he goes and tries to escape. Sorry, I have many thoughts on this. And one of them is Javert is the true hero of Les Mis. And that is how I will always feel. Continue. There's a curveball for you, man. You believe in minimum sentences for drug possession. (laughs) Hey. I'm not... I'm just uh, saying, man, for stealing a loaf of bread, five years is a lot of time. It is. But (laughs) hey, he was doing his time, and that's what the sentence was. You can complain about it beforehand, afterwards, all that. But while you're doing the time, do the time. Don't try to escape. That's what makes everything worse. I would have done the same thing. But yeah, Russell Crowe, Javert, is basically his parole officer who chases him down throughout the film. He adopts a young uh, girl named Cassette, who he raises extremely well. 
Uh, Hugh Jackman is just brilliant. And the best part about this movie is it was really like the first movie where they actually let them sing on set and not like a record afterward as it is just one solo shot throughout the whole thing. They don't change it. They made made sure to show their mouths moving to to make sure that you knew that they were singing. How many people got nominated for this film? I mean... Two. Friggin Anne Hathaway's in it for like five minutes and she got nominated for Best Actress. That's, I mean, the song, Sporting I don't remember actress. the exact name. Yeah, the, and the she song won. that she sang, amazing. I Dreamed a Dream. That, that yes. song is pretty much a, well, it's like pretty much like three or four actresses, I want to say, in the past uh, 15 years that have won an Oscar pretty much based on singing one song. And it's... It's incredible the emotion that they're able to put into that that single performance and be able to earn. Uh, I mean, obviously, she does way more than one song, but but is that you is think that of her in that wins you the Oscar? I dream of it. <laughs> yeah. Got a cat behind me. Cat behind me. Yeah, I'll be having that issue soon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, as a huge fan of Rebellion Revolution. Uh, don't remember really so much, I guess, revenge in this film, but I love revenge films. County Monte Cristo, watch that. It takes I mean, a long time, but it's worth it in the end. <laughs> Tenardiers, they're trying to get revenge because they think that uh, they think that Valjean robbed him. That's true for Cosette. But it's, right. it's an amazing movie. If you like musicals, check it out. If you don't like musicals, check it out. Just check it out. Definitely. One of my favorites. I've seen it so many times. All right. Your number two. My number two is from 1999. The Mummy. Oh, all right. I almost had this on my list. The remake of the 1932 film of the same title. My honorable mentions. And basically... It's set in uh, the early, I believe, 1920s. A bunch of uh, people trying to basically search out artifacts in Egypt, come across a tomb, unleash a curse, brings about a dead mummy, then hunts down those that open the tomb, takes their organs, and reanimates himself. That old chestnut. Yeah, let's just say for a movie that was rated PG-13, just him changing up alone is creepy as hell. The part where the scarab comes out the cheek into the mouth and he bites it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, but I gotta say, to sell this movie, I think all I really need to say is Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss is good, but I mean, Brendan Fraser, although he hasn't been in anything in a long time, he's got a lot of crap over the years. The man There's... nailed this perfectly between the seriousness and the comedy. I mean, honestly, if you could have hung, if you could have handed over Indiana Jones to anybody in the early 2000s, it would have been Brendan Fraser. The man is a hero, and everything that he's gone through is just an inspiration. I I, I feel so back, bad man. for everything that he went through, but I'm glad he's seemingly on the other side of it. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get to see some good movies from him in the future because highly underrated actor. I could not agree more. All right, so I'll go ahead. If you're done with that, no, that's anything that's it for me on that one. Okay, my movie, good CGI, still today. My number two is probably 
the best Western. <laughs> best Western. Uh, my favorite Western. For Motel 6, but. <laughs> my favorite Western of the last, uh, well, hell, of all time. My, my favorite Western of all time. And that is 310 to Yuma. This uh, also has Russell Crowe. So we've got some Russell Crowe crossover. Uh, Christian Bale in this as well. Uh, Russell Crowe plays this uh, this notorious outlaw that um, just is known for robbing uh, were the Pinkmans. That that's what oh, the old. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I haven't looked back on it, but if Red Dead Redemption got it right, it's the Pinkertons. Pinkertons, that's it. Pinkertons. Sorry. Yeah, Pink, Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, Pinkertons. Uh, I've taken out robbing, so many of them over the years. Robbing the Pinkertons. <laughs> and Christian Bale is just this this poor farmer. He lives on this on this ranch with his family. He's got two kids or two or three kids uh, and a wife. And he's just—he can barely afford the place anymore. He's about to lose the land, and one night, his one of his horses winds up getting in the in the mess with one of the robberies with um with with Russell Crowe, and he can't afford to lose any of it. So he's just trying to get his horse back and trying to get any kind of compensation for it that he can. And there's good money then back then. Horse thieves got hung. Oh yeah, but he would always get Russell Crowe would always get away. He's the like he was the villain of of that time in this in this particular film. So villains don't always get away, man. Well, clearly not in this movie because uh, what happens is he does event he does get caught, and the he needs to be placed on this train, uh, and it's at three o'clock. 310 the next day to Yuma to be put in front of the judge and hanged and everything but he needs to be brought to the train station and the Pinkertons wind up offering Christian Bale a bunch of money to see him to the to make sure he gets to the train station and what happens is just incredible. The story that they wind up uh, going on, the journey that they go on, because there's an escape at one point, and they need to track him down. And this is all just so Bale can save his family. Really, it's not even about the justice part of it. It's more just I need to save my family. Yep. Uh, so you gotta you, those kind of movies drive you though. It gives you more not enough character development these days. You don't care so much about them, but those kind of movies still do it. They grew, they spoke to each other because they weren't just set characters either. Like they they grew. They learned to to communicate with each other. The character development is is a top top of the top of the heap on this one. This had a. Yep. Uh, this was directed by James Mangold. Uh, this had an estimated budget of fifty-five million. Uh, being a western, it didn't make a ton of movie, ton of money. It made fourteen million its opening weekend. Gross USA is just under uh, fifty-four million, uh, but it did make seventy million worldwide. So it did make its money back, and was a uh, was ultimately a hit, uh, and was almost. 
like amid that kind of resurgence of westerns too like it was around the ta- same time of uh Brad Pitt uh the assassinate the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford which also has one of the longest name titles in movie history were you working at the theater for that one because i bet that would have been fun to see on the marquee no no (laughs) (laughs) all right so here we are finally down to our number one picks i will go first this was a surprise hit for me i did not see it in theaters i wish i had because everything about it is perfection the cast is it's unreal. The cast let me just let me just name some of these. We got Bernie Mac, Casey Affleck, Julia Roberts, Andy Garcia. We've got uh let, let's let's jump ahead to Matt Damon, Brad Pitt. Anyone anyone able to guess yet? The world needs Bernie Mac back. George Clooney. <laughs> I'm talking Ocean's Eleven. The ultimate ultimate reboot of a movie uh we'll see about that well it's it's this is steven soderbergh's classic came out in uh 2001 in uh uh, december of 2001 so this was shortly after the events of september 11th so the world needed something like this to kind of take your minds off of everything. It, it was, it's escapism at its, at its finest. Cause it gives you that fantasy of robbing, uh, of robbing a Las Vegas casino and actually getting away with it. Cause so smoothly too. It's one thing to like do the whole shootout and run. It's so much the, more satisfying the style, to do the walkout. The yeah. style that they go through and the, the planning and everything. Oh, let's not forget. Uh, oh, Elliot Gould. That's that's his name. Elliot Gould. Carl Reiner. Oh my god, dude. Uh, Cal- oh. See, Carl Reiner as Saul is just so good. I, dude, I think it's that movie that makes watching that makes me love Grand Theft Auto Five so much more. I love those heists. <laughs> oh yeah, the right. This this really was our generation's introduction to the heist genre really because uh, that it came out I was 14 so that it's just the right time to really start getting into something like this oh yeah uh, you've got Danny Ocean played by George Clooney he's uh, he's in jail to start with for of course stealing and he wants to he wants to get back at the man who he feels stole his wife from him while he was in prison, who happens to own three Las Vegas casinos. And he develops this plan all while he's in prison to rob those casinos. He can const- he constructs a team uh, of 10 other people or of nine people. And then the other ones are Terry's the 11th. Anyway, the numbers are confusing. But anyway, Ocean's Eleven <laughs> remake of the Frank Sinatra classic with J. Uh, blah, I can't speak. Hey, slow down. Frank Sinatra <laughs> and uh, why can't I think of his name? Dean Martin. That's his name. Dean Martin. Sammy Davis Jr. The whole the whole Rat Pack. And obviously it. it 
this made so much money that it inspired not one but two sequels actually i mean three really oceans eight which just recently came out i need to see that i actually haven't seen it yet i think it's on hbo um but no this may this had a budget of 85 million made 38 million its opening weekend 183 million u.s gross worldwide 450 million just under half a billion for this movie worldwide it's damn that's uh, really good for that type of movie exactly that i mean that's i think the 12 and 13 did um, if not as well pretty damn close uh and 12 is a bit of a misfire i do love the bit in 12 though where julia roberts winds up playing julia roberts yep uh, pretending to be her and just winds up messing everything up, doesn't know that she's left-handed and has a weird accent, runs into Bruce Willis and is all flustered, like, oh my god, it's Bruce Willis! But you're supposed to know him. You're best friends with him. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, but no, I, I can't recommend Ocean's Eleven enough. It definitely is a good one, man. Let's, uh, let's hear your number one. What is the ultimate reboot? Well, I actually want to throw in an honorable mention here before we go. We'll do the honorable mentions after. All right, because I got some funny facts on this one. My number one, the ultimate reboot ever, because it ends all the campiness that came before it and really captures what is truly the dark depths of Gotham. Batman begins, okay. the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight rises. I mean, don't get me wrong. Earlier Batman films, very wait, entertaining. Wait, 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 wait. Are you cheating right here? How am I you're cheating? Ju- you're picking three? No, no. I'm just saying that, that was the start of it. Okay. That was the start of it. But Batman films, always been entertaining. Always had odd stuff. You know, costumes with nipples, three different Which actors playing Batman in a three-movie span. But this movie, oh, Christian Bale, amazing. Christopher Nolan, amazing. Directing, amazing. Heath Ledger, unforgettable. Bane, unforgettable. And honestly, it started off, or it started the idea of the dark Batman, which continued with Affleck, will now be continuing Robert Patterson. Don't know how that movie looks, but I love the soundtrack and the trailer. But I love Nirvana. But that that to me is the ultimate reboot. It It takes something that for so long it was campy i mean you're talking about you know they hit somebody in the face and the thing pops up yeah i mean and it takes that and it it really grabs what a lot of the comics already had you know like it, it takes you to that bad place you know it's not just oh it's all fun and games look at the penguin look at the you know turns everyone to ice i mean technically as a kid yeah you wouldn't really understand the idea of arnold schwarzenegger freezing people to death but definitely more realistic and just Everyone grittier. Chill. Plus, I absolutely love how in the second movie they address the fact that Batman's cowl does not turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the greatest line, oh, what can you do? Well, I, I could use some lighter plating. Anything else? It'd be nice if I could turn my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be able but, to see when I back out of the driveway. So great, too, because, I mean, like right there, the scene before that, he's taking on all these people. The car's driving away, and he's got to turn the right direction, and you would always say, <laughs> Right, they're still able to find some humor in it. I mean, the best 
head movement acting until the Mandalorian in the last season. Yeah. <laughs> you're used to looking at things in your helmet. You know, looking down like this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you didn't even mention Liam Neeson, Ra's al Ghul. Oh my God! You go through the whole cast. I mean, Morgan Liam Freeman, Neeson, Morgan. Oh my God, Morgan Freeman. Uh, Lucius. What's the guy that played Alfred? It's draw. I can't remember the name. It's drawn. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. We drove by his house in Hollywood. Yes, we did. <laughs> For the Beverly Hills. <laughs> oh God, that was a nice little area there. Right. But yeah, I mean, holy shit! I mean, the cast is amazing. It really is what Batman should be. Marion Cotillard, Tom Hardy. Ah, dude, Tom, everyone gives that last one. They're saying it's not as good, but Tom Hardy's performance in that was amazing. People yes. who say that it's not as good were not there to experience it when it first arrived. You merely adopted the doc. I was born in it, raised by it. <laughs> I didn't see another foot until I was 17. Also, it follows the comics so well. You know, Batman being taken out of commission in the third one with the back breaking, following the comics right, like that. breaking his back. Yeah, dude. Oh. No, I, I don't disagree. That is a great movie, and it... I almost had it on here. I I debated heavily putting a, a comic book movie on here. Uh I almost went the with one of the new Spider-Mans the, because, uh, I mean, Spider-Man's my favorite apart from Invincible. I, I'd, I'd say Spider-Man's my favorite mainstream, uh, mainstream superhero. Uh, oh, yeah. But honestly, I think Tobey Maguire's like Spider-Man 1 and 2, like those are still probably my favorite, so I, I wouldn't put the Tom Holland one over it. Yeah. What are, yeah. What are some of your honorable mentions? That's, that's one of mine there. I would say Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Of course, mine is the um, Tobey Maguire. Uh, but the one that I was thinking of before my number one was Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. The new movie. Definitely a better movie overall than the 1995 one. But I feel like the 1995 one, and I might be biased, just has that that spark. It's got the tournament, and I understand the new one's probably building to right. one. But you can, if it is, you can definitely tell it's the first movie in a series. What? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the the interesting facts that I have is uh, the director Paul W S Anderson, uh, at least up until 2018, according to this, was still paying fines for his unauthorized Ghost Rider cameo when. Scorpion took off his mask, revealing a skull, and then breathed fire on Johnny Cage. And the other one, I, I've been trying to find if I can verify this. I found a couple articles that seem to point to it, but I've been trying to find something more solidified. And that is, originally, the actor who was going to play Liu Kang was hmm. Jackie Chan. In the original? In the 1995 oh, one, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I heard that as well, but I, I, I think he didn't want to do it or something like that. Well, according to this, uh, he was cast, and the first day of filming was complete. He Chan went to um, the guy who played Shang Tsung. Uh, I am terrible with names, but he's uh, a great. I, I actually he, met him. He's an amazing actor. Um, I met him at Rhode Island Comic Con. Nice. 
Yeah, it, at least according to this, uh, basically Shang Tsung invited in Liu Kang for a drink in his trailer after shooting. And um, at least according to this, uh, Chan was a recovering alcoholic, uh, had kind of fallen off the wagon after Legend of Drunken Master, another amazing Jackie Chan movie. Mm-hmm. And apparently they ended up getting into a fight after a couple drinks, and mm. this actually led... Here's the funny part of the story. You remember Kano in this movie? He's got the thing over his eye with the red thing. Apparently, according to this article, that's because he tried to break up the fight between Jackie Chan (laughs) and Liu Kang and ended up getting kicked in the face, messing up his right eye so bad in the middle of filming. This is why they had to add the red plate and eye on. But Kano had that. He did, but I guess they weren't, at least according to this, they weren't originally going to be putting that in the film or maybe they just expanded on it. But I don't know if I buy it. That's why I want to see if I can find it out. But according to this, it's the reason he was he was fired after this. So he was only on set for a day. It's it's an interesting piece to know, especially as a huge Jackie Chan fan. I was even rush watching Rush Hour earlier. But it's something yeah. I, want to, I want to find out about. Because honestly, I, I always I don't wondered. Know I it. See, I always wondered why he was never cast in that role. So I want to know if it's true. Because you know, shit happens sometimes, man. Dude's an amazing actor. He would have been great. I know, but I, I I don't buy the part with Kano anyway. <laughs> well, uh, dude, speaking of which, the new Kano in the new movie. He's, he's from so the, much fun. He is from the show Superstore. Okay. He speaks with an American accent. He is a pharmacist, a bit of a womanizer, mm-hmm. and a completely different character showing you the range of this man's acting. If you loved Kano in the new Mortal Kombat, check out Superstore. It's a comedy. What, what and let alone, me, you'll love that. What bugs me about it is that they finally had like a fight on top of a pit, but they didn't use the pit. Like they didn't uppercut anybody into it and like have them all dismembered on the bottom like you would in the games. Like you have the spot there. You even like you got the moon out over it and everything. Like this is right from the game. Use gotta, the pit. <laughs> I, I gotta say, man, I had watched the original 1995 one like the day before I watched the new one, and I had watched it with my wife. And obviously, you know, in that one, you hear quite a lot flawless victory. Yeah, and you have to hear that. Yeah. As soon as it said in that new one, I just threw my arms up like this, and she's just sitting there with like a smile on her face, like you know, you knew you had to throw it in, and then kind of looks over at me with my arms up like the fool I am. <laughs> but then I was wondering, I was like, but didn't he get hit? I think he got hit. That, that was a time to say like fatality because he cut the guy in freaking half with his hat. I would have said fatality, not, not I flawless felt, victory. I felt the same way. Right? But I was kind of just so happy to hear the line. But yeah, on the level of Mortal Kombat, no. I mean, I think the only flawless victory, too, in the first one, though, was actually the uh, Goro versus the Boxer. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a bad one. <laughs> that mm-hmm. dude got wrecked. But yeah, that's that's my main honorable mention. You? All right. Well, I believe that uh, that about does it for, for what we came here to discuss for for the week we got through everything uh it was definitely painless going forward i think this is a good way of doing it this seems to have seems to be easiest we'll uh we'll get the cord figured out for your microphone next time so you can sound crisp like me uh i've got another like if you need an actual are you just using the webcam like on the laptop or something or yeah yeah i was originally going to set it up on my phone this this seemed way easier 
Well, I've got another webcam you can try because like, maybe we can get some higher quality. <laughs> I think um, I just got to position myself better. Uh, unfortunately, the place that I'm in still setting up is only actually one light installed in the ceiling. Everything else has to be right. plugged in. <laughs> Maybe we'll get together for the next one anyway and have more guests next time. We'll see. We can discuss what do, what do we want to do for the next topic? Uh, okay. Figure that out now? Or the- yes. No, I, I yeah, think let's- we should. Uh, so here are my, my choices. And I know you didn't want to go negative, but people love negative. So I'm going to start with worst reboots, mm-hmm. best toys of the 90s, Disney villains, Netflix shows. I don't know why I had best donuts for if not here, but it's on there. Uh, I mean, t- t- top five donuts, that is, I don't know if I could do just five. <laughs> God, that one's apparently harder than I think. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's purple in some donuts. Purple's a fruit. Yeah, you, there was a tie-dye donut that we, that we saw a picture of the other day. No, Billy that's a bagel. Us. I've had, the, oh, I've had bagel? those rainbow bagels. I could, that looks okay. so they're much just, like a they're, donut. They're plain bagels. That's, they're okay. They're just plain bagels, so they just happen to be tie-dyed, so they're okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, out of those, so what about... Roll a dice on it if you want. Well, let's see. The, how many suggestions was that? I mean, I got I got five there. Hold on. How about but you we put in three, I'll donuts. put up three, and we'll roll a D6. Sounds good to me. All right. So what are your three you're going to put up? Uh, worst reboots. Okay. Toys of the 90s. Okay. And let's go Disney villains. Okay. Villains will be five. Yes, but worst a- reboots will be three. And one will be, what was the other one? Toys of the 90s. Okay. Best One toys, will of be the toys 90s. of the 90s. All right. Two will be. Uh, two will be. Top Tarantino characters. Uh, from the Tarantino verse. Uh, we'll go ahead and get right into it. Top Pokemon will be four. And six will be. Top summer foods. That's an interesting one. All right, here we go. Roll a d6. You got an actual d6 or you're using it on the computer? I'm doing a computer. I don't have dice with me here. Yeah, I should have brought mine down. All right, roll the thing. Easily what could be called a dice gobbler. It can't be reached. Well, reload and roll it. Three. You wrote ah, those three down. was the worst reboot. You got your worst. All right, so we're going from best to worst. There we go. Oh, this one's going to be so right, we're fun. Still I already not, got Charlie we're still and the not Chocolate Factory. Parodies, though. No, I got Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's more than likely one or two. Easily one or two. <laughs> you will have some debate on that one. Oh, yeah, I can't touch Gene Wilder, man. I didn't actually roll... We should do best westerns though Hold sometime. On. It didn't actually roll. It was just the page opening. Like it, oh. it just was sitting there. It didn't actually roll. Here, let me share it so you can actually see what yeah, I'm I, doing I, here. I want to make. Let's make sure this is fair. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Can you see it? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Right, give me three again. Give me three again. Six. 
was best summer foods. No, six. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> I thought it was yours for. Yeah. Okay. So summer foods. No, we'll, we'll do. We'll do the best of worst, and then number three will be. Will summer be foods. That one. Yes. All right. We'll so number worst two summer foods will after be that. Worst. Then worst summer foods after that. <laughs> Anything with mustard. Anything heavy. Yeah. Too humid in New England. All right. So that that concludes this episode of the Pop Five Podcast. And uh, anything else to say before we go? You want to sign off? I mean, I started it with hello there. I guess I'll end it with General Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'll think of a sign I will say, all right, ramblers, <laughs> let's get rambling.